0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, the title of our message today is God Keeps His Promises. How many believe that? God keeps his promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God. We're going to be emphasizing that word all. How many times it's spoken in the Bible? All. And all means all, right? Amen. amen. <clears throat> You have the, my, my voice is a bit raspy today because uh, the old enemy has been trying to lay a coal on me for weeks now. But I, I'm just fighting against it and saying, no, I don't want that. If you don't have anything better than that for me, I won't have anything. <laughs> Amen? The Bible reveals our Heavenly Father as being faithful and true to his word. In Numbers chapter 23 verse 19. Says God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man. He's God. He's Almighty God. And God don't lie. Amen? That's a great thing, isn't it? God don't lie. So he's not a man that should lie, or the Son of Man that he should repent. He don't sin. He's got nothing to repent for. Amen? He has said, has has he said, and will he not do? The answer is yes. If he said it, he's going to do it. Amen? That's just, just, just it. That's the word. Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? He will see to it that his promise is fulfilled in my life and in your life. But there's a part for us to play, isn't there? We can't just live any old way and really not truly believe and expect the promises to be fulfilled in our lives. Now, the Christmas story reveals the fulfillment of his greatest promise of all. He promises to send a Savior to redeem the world from sin. That's the promise. But we all know that everyone is not redeemed. There are people who reject that that gift that God has given us. And if you reject it, if you will not receive it, you cannot enjoy the promises that go with it. Matthew 1, 21. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. Let's look at some, there have been some prophecies concerning Jesus that have been already been fulfilled. Let me share just a small sampling of Old Testament prophecies fulfilled by Jesus. First of all, You remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They were promised a Savior that would one day crush the serpent's head. Jesus was that Savior. Amen? This promised Messiah would be born of a virgin. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be anointed by the Holy Spirit to perform miracles he would be born of the lineage and of Abraham and of David. His ministry would be preceded by a messenger, which was John the Baptist, to prepare his way. He would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. And he would be rejected by his own people, wounded, bruised, and pierced for sin, for our sin. And he would rise from the dead, ascend to the right hand of the Father in heaven. All of these things that were prophesied about Jesus, right from Genesis, right through, all the Old Testament has already been fulfilled. We're, sub- we're celebrating his birth uh, this, this coming week. Okay. Now, there are prophecies relating to his crucifixion. Let's just jump ahead for a little while. When, when he had spent his 33 and a half years on this earth, and, and, and they, they crucified him, all, these, all of these, cruci- all of these uh, prophecies were fulfilled then. Sold for 30 pieces of silver, betrayed by a friend, his money was cast to the potter, he, he, his, the disciples forsook him, accused by false witnesses, smitten and spit upon, dumb before his accusers. He didn't speak uh, up for himself. He didn't try to defend himself. He was wounded and bruised. He fell under the cross. Hands and feet were pierced, crucified with thieves, prayed for his persecutors, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. People shook their heads at him in anger, rioting against him. Uh, People ridiculed him. People were astonished at him. The garments that he wore were parted and and there were lots uh, cast for his robe. Uh, He he was forsaken and and he he cried the the, the forsaken prayer. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? gall and vinegar was given him to drink he was committed he committed himself to god he said into my your hands i commit my spirit friends stood far off and watched it all not one bone of his body was broken his heart was broken his side was pierced darkness was over the land as he died and he was buried in a rich man's tomb And all of these and many, many more were were fulfilled when he was crucified. You see, God answers prayer. In Luke, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1 today. So, Father, I just pray right now that you will make this word real to our hearts in Jesus' name. I read that it has been uh, suggested that mathematicians have calculated that the odds of Jesus fulfilling only eight of the messianic prophecies would be one in ten to the seventeenth power. That's for just eight of them. And uh, that's equivalent, this writer says, to covering the entire state of Texas. And you could say the, the entire province of Alberta. Because Alberta is very close in area to, to the state of Texas. And so covering, let's say, the Alberta, the province of Alberta. With, with silver coins approximately two feet deep marking one of them and mixing it in with all the others and having a person from another province or another state pick out that coin. Humanly, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible because, you see, this was all fitting into God's plan. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, let's pick it up there. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. At this point in history, Jerusalem was under Roman rule. It was occupied by Rome. You know how the U.S. went in and occupied Iraq? All many other different countries. Well. Rome. Had occupied. Jerusalem. At this point in history. Luke states that Herod was ruling. Now Herod was not of the tribe of Judah. He was not even an Israelite. He was an Edomite. A descendant of Esau. You know the story of Esau and Jacob. How Jacob. Wrangled the, the birthright from Esau. Esau gave him all the rights of the firstborn for a pot of soup. He was hungry, and, uh, and, uh, and so he, he said, You give me, Jacob, you give me a bowl of soup, and I'll give you my birthright. And so, the, but the, the, the Roman government gave uh, Herod a title. The title that he gave him was King of the Jews. Now you've got to realize this wasn't given by God. This was given by an ungodly nation to a man that they put in charge to rule Israel for Rome. God's promises never fail despite how things appear. God Keeps his promises. We learn something important about Zacharias and Elizabeth in verse 6. It says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all. Everybody say all. all. Walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord Blameless. These were devout Jews, obedient to the law and the word of God. It may be because they were obedient that God decides to use them in this way. You see, God can use faithful people. Sometimes our sins prevent God from doing something great in our lives. Do you know that? If we live just any old way, undisciplined lives... We don't regard the word of God. and Because we don't regard the word of God, we don't have faith. There's not much God can do. Until we come to a point where we believe and we believe with all of our heart, God's got a hard time to perform miracles in our lives. But Zacharias and Elizabeth were both ready to be used by God they lived blameless before God but here's the kicker they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years it's amazing how many times this story is repeated in the Bible from by different from different people different people's lives God delights in doing things that man thinks is impossible. If we can only dare to believe and stop trying to short circuit what God wants to do and take shortcuts, all of these things don't work with God, folks. If God says all, if God says you've got to believe all of my word, then you've got to believe all of his word. You let down in one thing. Where are you going to draw the line? And in Israelite culture, and even in many churches today, it was con- uh, 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 cultures today, it was considered a curse for a woman to be without child. They thought that God was punishing her for some sin that she had done. We see this belief way back in Job's time. Remember his friends? Man, the things you're going through, you must be a sinner. You must be a sinful man. You know, you need to repent. Again, it surfaces in the man who was born blind. Disciples come to him and they say, Master, who has sinned? This man? Or his parents, that he is born blind. And as we just read, this was not the case with Job. It's not the case with the blind man. And it wasn't the case with Elizabeth. Zacharias and Elizabeth were blameless before God. They were not being punished. When we are dealing with a crisis or a sickness in our own life, it is not. Because God is punishing us. There is a day coming when we will get everything that's coming to us. If we haven't cleared the account. There's an old song we used to sing one time. The old account was large and growing every day for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But then I met the Lord. And he forgave all of my sin. And long ago, the old account was settled. And ever since then, I'm keeping short accounts with God. Oh, I'm still, I'm still running up the bill once in a while. But I say, Lord, forgive me. And he forgives. Amen? Amen? For sure, he can use many situations in life to get our attention. Sometimes in his love and his mercy, he will call a halt to something in our life and cause us to be able to stop and think and realize that we're going in a wrong direction and we need to change course. That's because he loves us. That's because he cares so much. And if he were to allow us to go on in our own sinful ways, we would be in deep trouble. Luke 1, verses 8 and 9. So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, priests would cast lots to see who would go and burn incense in the temple worship practice. A a once-in-a-lifetime thing for most priests. That's what I read. I cannot tell you for certain that that is, but people that I assume know what they're talking about Uh, So it was a very special event, and the lot this time fell on Zechariah. You should know that God is not a God of chance. This wasn't a 50-50 chance or 75-25 chance. This was God's time. There are no coincidence with God. Do you know that? In the holy place, in his presence, God chose to give revelation to Zacharias. Verse 10 and 12. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. As is the usual case in biblical records of angelic appearances, it caused holy fear. Luke 1, 13 says, The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. There's nothing to fear. This is a good thing. God is appearing to you today through this angel and saying, I have heard your prayers. Your prayers are heard. Obviously, they had been praying for a child. Their prayers were not only heard, but promised to be answered. Do you know that many times God answers our prayer with a promise? You look into the Word of God, you pray for something. You look into the Word of God, you find the promise. Amen? And now it's time, if you've got a promise from God... You found something that relates to what you're talking about, what you're praying about. Now you've got to believe that promise. If God says it's going to happen, you've got to believe it, and you've got to wait for that. So God answered with a promise. Luke uh, chapter 1, 13b to 17. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son... And you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, And he will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What he was telling him here, your son is going to be called John, He'll be known as John the Baptist, and he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah, the promised Messiah. Prayers were answered after a long time, but in the right time and in God's time. God had something better in store for them than they could ever imagine would have been nice to have a baby in their younger years, for sure. But you know, God's ways are best. It wasn't because God didn't hear their prayers. It wasn't because they were sinning. It was because God had a plan. And the time was not yet right. Zacharias and Elizabeth would become the parents of John the Baptist who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Gabriel the angel quotes Malachi <coughs> uh, 4, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It's the very last verses of the of the Old Testament. Malachi 4, 5 and 6 says this Behold. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike the earth with a curse Now this is a promise to the nation of Israel that God was going to send a man like Elijah that I'm going to send back Elijah I'm going to send Elijah God was saying I have not forgotten my promise. Jesus, referring to John the Baptist, had this to say. Matthew chapter 11, verses 11, 14, and 15. Jesus said, Assuredly, I say unto you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Then you go to verse 14, and he says, If you are willing to receive it, this is Elijah who is to come. Wow. He, has, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying and waiting for a long time many years and Israel has been praying and waiting for this promise to be fulfilled for 450 years. That's a long time to wait for a promise. And yet God is faithful and his promises never fail. God keeps his promises to you and to all who will trust him. God kept his promise to Zacharias. Verse 18 Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Zacharias may have given up on believing for a child. Is this where you're at today? In your dream, in your calling out to God, in believing for a miracle from God, you've prayed and prayed, but it seems like God has not heard. Everything is nothing but silence. You're almost ready to believe that maybe the answer is no. Maybe you've stopped praying and believing and maybe you've stopped hoping. You know something? If you believe, if you believe that God has heard your prayer, If you believe, if you've prayed according to his will, he will answer. He has to answer. Because he has said it. How that answer comes, I don't know. I'm going to tell you, there's been many, many times in my life when I've had to say, Lord, I'm glad that you're Lord. I'm glad that you're God and not me. 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us, Paul is talking to Timothy and he tells him this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even when we are like the man who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Just as Jesus answered his prayer, he will answer mine. Zacharias was about to receive a sign to remind him that he had an encounter with God and a promise from God. It's amazing how God does things, isn't it? Every day, for the next nine months, he would not be able to speak a word. In fact, it would be even longer than that, because up to this time, she hadn't conceived. So he had to wait for the conception to take place, wait for the, the day when she would say, Zacharias, guess what? I don't know. She was an old woman. She couldn't even say, I missed my period. <laughs> guess what, Zacharias? I'm pregnant. We're going to have a baby. Verse 19 and 20. The angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. In their own time. You get that? God's got a time, my friends. Here again, we're reminded of God's perfect timing. 21 and 23 says, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision. So it was, as soon as the days of his service was complete, he departed and went to his own house. He went home. Now, as is usually the case, Zachariah, Zacharias was going to have to wait for the promise. He got the promise. He got the assurance. Your prayers are heard. And God is going to answer. You're going to get your son. He would have to wait for his wife to conceive. Another nine months for the baby to be born. Verse 24, 25. Now after those days... His wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months saying thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. You see people would be mean to a woman who didn't have a child. And so she hid herself for five months. I can imagine she didn't want any negativity in her life. She didn't want to listen to neighbors saying, "Her age, a baby." That's, that's not so. It's a tumor. It's not a baby got a." Must be a tumor. But God had spoken. And they had the promise. And they just kept it to themselves. And finally, God answers. Can you imagine the joy of knowing she was going to have a baby, a baby boy? Verse 57 and 58. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. She brought forth a, a son. And when her neighbors and her relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. It's Always a time of rejoicing when God comes through. God always keeps his promises. He'll keep his promises to you too. Also. This is always a reason to rejoice. When the baby was eight days old, Zacharias and Elizabeth brought the baby to be circumcised, as was the custom of the Jews, and to receive his name. According to tradition, he would be named Zacharias. Maybe Zacharias II, I don't know. But all of the leaders of the temple were prepared to give him that name. And Elizabeth said, no, his name is to be John. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, this is not according to plan. This is not according to protocol. His name should be Zacharias. Well, let's, let's ask John. So they asked him. And he called for a writing tablet. He asked for a writing tablet. Verses 63-64. He asked for a writing tablet. And wrote saying. His name is John. So they all marveled. And immediately his mouth was open. And his tongue loose. And he spoke. And guess what he started doing. Praising God. Praising God. Now. The way is clear for the Son of God to come into this world. And so the Christmas story continues. We're going to follow it up on Christmas Eve and then again on Christmas morning. Amen? So in conclusion today, Ernie, where's Ernie? There he comes. (laughs) The entire Christian life is filled, is built upon promises. We know that God will keep his promise. Man will make promises to you and break them left and right, day and night. But God is faithful. He's truthful. He's loving. He's kind. He will keep his promise to you. I am convinced that every promise that he has ever made to me, he will keep. He has fulfilled his promises over and over and over again. He's never going to break his word. He's never going to take his word back. Every promise In the book is yours. We used to sing a song in Sunday school when I was a boy. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting in his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. His promises. He promises health and healing. He promises joy and hope and eternal life, freedom and goodness and mercy and the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now that's real prosperity. We talk about prosperity and we preach about prosperity. And all every time, everyone's mind goes towards money, money. Usually when we get a little bit of money, we get greedy. We shut up like a a old wineskin. Real prosperity is experiencing all that God has for us. Prosperity of soul. I'm not a rich man in the eyes of the world. But I'm rich beyond measure. To be able to I've just celebrated my 75th birthday and feeling like a 50-year-old man. That's prosperity. To have my children around me loving me and caring for me and doing well themselves. That's prosperity. To see my grandchildren serving the Lord Some of them really need to pull up their socks, but we're believing for them. Amen? But that's prosperity, folks. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. I believe that. These are the kind of things that I stand on. We pray for our children every day. Over and over and over again, we remind God that we have dedicated them to the Lord. God is going to come through because He promised. Thank God for 52 years of marriage. Getting close to 53. And that woman that God gave me, I love her with all of my heart. I don't know what she looks like to you, but she's sure beautiful in my eyes. We don't fight. We just love and appreciate one another. And that's the way a marriage should be. But that's prosperity. That's applying God's word to our lives. It's not bragging, folks. It's just what happens when you allow God to direct your life, to direct your marriage, to guide you in bringing up your children. All of these things are the benefits that comes from serving God. Every good and perfect gift the Bible tells us comes down from the Father of lights. It's for you and I. God always keeps his promise. Do you have a need today? Are you born again? You can't tap into those promises unless you're born again. Are you living a life that you know you should be living according to the Word of God? Dare I say, you can't tap into those promises until you start applying the Word of God to your life. Sorry, folks, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. The word of God is what I stand for. The word of God is what I stand upon. The word of God is what I have guided my life through the last 50 years. It's going to continue that way. And for anyone who will listen, I will tell you. I will share with you what God can do when you decide to give your life into his hands. It doesn't matter what you've been like in the past. Put the past behind you. One simple, one simple prayer. Lord, forgive me. I accept you. I accept your ways. I accept your word as a guide for my life. And then from that moment on, begin to move forward in him. And following his direction. I could get off on another sermon. i got to (laughs) stop. Listen, folks. God keeps His promises. If you need something from God today, come up. We'll pray with you. You want to know Jesus as your Savior? Come up. We'll pray with you. You leave this place on cloud nine. Amen? You need healing for your body? Come up. We'll pray with you. You need to... Regardless how you believe, listen. If you believe, you only got to pray once and that's it. Then you need to believe that you need to keep reminding God that you believe this. You need to let let God know that you're still on track here. Because you're a human being. It's easy to get off track. It's easy to begin to lose faith. Keep reminding God, Lord, I'm believing you. I'm trusting your word. I want some people to believe with me. So whatever God wants to do in your heart, your life today, just make that move towards him. That's, that's what, what we call a step of faith. It's amazing what God does around this altar. Because when people usually get to here, they've made a conscious decision that they're going to trust God for something. Amen? Lord bless you. Father, I just want to thank you today for your love, your mercy, your grace, your word. And so, Lord, I just pray that whatever you have in store for your people, that no one will just turn it away. No one will, will despise it, oh God, but they will accept you gladly. They will accept gladly what you have for each one today in Jesus' mighty name. Bless us as we go to our different homes today. And, Lord, as we tarry here now in your presence, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move in in a spectacular way and that needs will be met in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says amen. You're welcome to stay and and worship with us as Ernie leads us here. And so just, just believe God for anything that you need. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coal Lake Community Church, a place where families come to